Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. It's morning. Then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Um, and saving this spot for the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think he's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Um, uh... Started with this show. We had Jeremy on from uh, Whitetail 365. He's hunting urban St. Louis. Um, a lot of off-the-wall tactics on this. Um, very cool. Wait till you hear the scent control tactics. It's, freak- <laughs> yes. it's freaking next level. Yes. You guys won't even understand it. Um, he just packs his pockets full of uh, uh, those butterscotch candies. That's all he does. <laughs> That's a complete lie. Listen to the show. You know what? You know the real thing. Let's get into the partners and get this show started. Start off with the VIP veteran broadhead. Um, we're going to cover the cigars. There is VIP veteran broadhead branded cigars, and you can get these cigars at www.b0balu.com slash VIP. Um, all these sales from these, uh, Cigars are going to go to the Ultimate Hunt and Oath, which are two veteran organizations that take veterans out hunting and um, help them with the process of coming back to normal life. Um, VIP is going to take no profit from these cigars. Matt and Cindy had made the decision that if people want to buy these cigars, that they will support these two nonprofits and getting veterans outdoors. So, homie, do you smoke cigars? Uh, I, I I don't I don't really smoke cigars, but if I shoot a nice buck, I just want a big old cigar hanging yeah, out of my mouth. Yeah. I was gonna say I am down into the uh, victory cigar category. Yeah, so uh, there's a four pack. I, I was gonna say I I picked that up from Independence Day. Will Smith smoking on a victory cigar. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's that'll work perfect. S- smoke a giant buck, smoke a big old tom. Yeah, I'm down on a victory cigar. Yeah, so there's a four pack. That's probably more animals than we're gonna kill all year. So that'll cover us <laughs> real nice. Um, one turkey one giant buck yeah so we'll get the vip uh four pack and we're ready to go and then we get the you know support ultimate hunt and the oath absolutely all right uh you got the vip veteran broadhead shout out this week's vip veteran broadhead shout out is brandon sweeney brandon was in uh, air force reserve for four years and is still currently enlisted he was a staff sergeant and his rank is 625 days active duty during that four years was AFC 1C052 Aviation Resource Management. He has supported missions that he cannot disclose at this time. He has qualified on the M4 six times and a shot expert on all of them, which means 100% as has received a ribbon for that. Uh, be sure to follow Brandon's hunting page at Brandon Sweeney 
Hunter, and we can't thank you enough, man. Um, I, I messaged him back and told him that I didn't want to be caught out in front of him. Yeah, you, probably, you can't outshoot that. <laughs> yeah, probably bust a cap in me. So, um, you know, Brandon, we can't thank you enough. Hear from everybody at Whitetail Legacy, VIP, and Matt and Cindy, man. All right, let's get into Scentlock. I'm going to cover something that is very predominant in the Mr. Freeze film is the hand warmer that I keep on my waist along with the the harness that I don't ever take <laughs> off in the whole recovery video. Um, so I want to go over the hand warmer. Um, they came out with a fleece hand warmer this year, 100 gram insulation. Uh, it's got the moisture wet and talk technology. It's got the, uh, obviously the carbon technology. Um, it's got the quiet touch out, out, outer garment. So it's not going to make any noise. And, uh, the it's got 320 gram long nap fleece inner so it's got 100 on the outside and 320 on the inside definitely keep your hands warm on those cold days i absolutely love hand warmers um i like the extra pockets in them right there and uh it's a good place to like keep an extra release or your range finder or something if you don't have it attached to your harness um put a couple hot hands in there you don't have to wear those bulky gloves when you're bow hunting so. I'm going to say with that fleece, you should be set with a couple hot hands. Yep. Get into ECW calls. Um, still hitting the the double-sided call out there in the turkey woods. Like I said, we're not releasing any of the, the knowledge of this vast <laughs> turkey season we're having yet. I would say we got one weekend to go. It's all going to be some, some mystery at the end. Um, but uh, you guys would know when we put out film, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we uh, all your custom call needs, turkey calls, deer calls, check out ECW calls. Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. You got anything for Ingram this week? I don't, other than, you know, I know everybody's waiting for the mounts. Um, you got to build the hype, bro. Yeah. You got to build the hype, <laughs> and that's what we've been doing, you know. He's still knocking out some mounts, though. I mean, he's he's not, like, at a standstill or anything. Yeah, he's still knocking out mounts. One thing that we wanted to do is we wanted to release the 17 and 18 bucks together yeah. and get an epic pick. So the 17 bucks are done. We're just waiting on the 18 bucks, and um, we're like, well, let's just keep it under the wraps, you know, and then we can do, like, a double double buck double buck photo which i think is going to be pretty sweet um that's something that we're working on so you guys will get to see all of them um when 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 freeze is done and your your advance is done so um i i think that he's like trying to surprise me on freeze because i haven't (laughs) i haven't heard much about i I mean we've been talking to him but it just hasn't been about mountain deer yeah so i think it's a little little sneak attack coming in he asked me he's like do you want to see the mount as i'm doing it or just walk in and be surprised i'm like i don't know man just so much work to that mount like i I think i think like the pictures you got of him on the form coming up to the tree mm -hmm. like i think that that's like enough like get the details figured out after that point because you're like you know how you want his eyeball and this and that yeah after that once the cape's on him and sewed up and, you know, you're doing all the other bullshit with the habitat and yeah. all that, no, you ain't going to see that. Man, it's going to be epic. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, like I said, a lot of cool tactics in this, and we hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, guys, we got Jeremy on from the White or Whitetail 365. Man, how are you doing tonight? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Just heading up to the uh, the cabin for the weekend to do some fishing. Oh, nice, man. Can't beat that. Nice cabin. Where's your cabin at? Uh, it's in Fulton, Missouri. Oh, nice. Yep. I know that area. Pretty good area. Oh, yeah. And, of course, we got Home Slice in, uh, in studio. We're yeah, in studio podcast. This is next level <laughs> stuff for us. <laughs> this is out of the norm. I'm here still on the road, but I'm not. I'm not in podcasting on the road, so, but we we uh we got you on. You're from Whitehill 365, and you do urban hunting. So that's a yes, topic sir. that we want to cover. We pretty unique. I'm excited to dive into it. Um, let's start out with uh you know where you live, where you're hunting, and what you do for a living. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I live in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I hunt urban St. Louis County and St. Charles County and uh, a little bit inside St. Louis City. I've got a couple of places that I've got access to to hunt down there as well. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. You know, it's a it's small plot. You know, I, the biggest place that I hunt, I think, is uh, 12 acres. You know, the majority of the stuff that I hunt's all five, six acres for the most part. Yeah, that's crazy. That's some small, small acreage, but... I feel like it, if we try to go, like, crash it in there, and they say, you know, we're through the property. We're like, yeah. you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this yeah, is it. And, <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, well, and that's exactly it. People are like, and you can kill deer here. Yeah, you can. But it's... You know, and when you think, think small plot, oh, it must be easy to kill them, but it's, it's not just because they don't ever stick to a specific path through there. They're so random with how they come through that it's not funny. Yeah. I can imagine five acres, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity to set up with the wind or anything like that. So, but I guarantee, yeah, yeah we'll get into that. But, uh, so what do you do for a living? Did- uh, I'm a diesel mechanic on uh, semi trucks and oh, trailers. Nice. That's a good job, man. So is my dad. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah cool. it's, it's really nice, too. i got tons of vacation time, you know. Perfect for hunting. <laughs> man, we need to get oh, a yeah. different job, homie. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, I got those vacation time. I'm like, damn, dude. My job yeah. sucks compared to vacation time. I got I to gotta step it up somehow. Here we go. But uh, Yeah, it's, it's it's great. And, you know, I'm, tell I'm the shop foreman, so I pretty much do what I want when I want. So nice. <laughs> I told the boss I'm taking off to go hunting. He's like, all right, cool. See you later. I can't beat that. <laughs> no, not at all. It's great. So uh, one thing I wanted to cover here is, so your urban hunting, um, I was wondering, what, what is the season the same as the regular season? Because I've heard of some uh, other urban areas that have kind of a weird season. Yeah, so Missouri used to have an actual urban season as well, but that was mainly for urban rifle. Um, and that was kind of weird. So they actually just did away with that. I think it was last year. They just eliminated it. And now it's just, it just runs in with regular seasons and stuff. Uh, but yeah, as far as the archery hunting goes, I mean, it's all just the same as regular seasons open September 15th and runs all the way through to January 15th, you know? And then I also urban hunt on my rifle tags, but I use my bow. Yeah. You know, cause we're allowed to do that in Missouri. So I, I do that as well. I mean, I've, I strictly bow hunt. I haven't touched a gun for deer, and I, I couldn't tell you how long. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I go down there for rifle season. I go down there for rifle season. Try to every year. Taking homie this year, and we we hunt uh, Polk County, so we're pretty far south from you. Yeah. Um, smaller deer, but good deer numbers. Yeah, so hey, there's there's still some big deer down there, which I actually grew up on, like almost 500 acres in St. Genevieve, and that's what I always knew as far as hunting goes. And, you know, long story short, there was family issues and I was kicked off the property and that's how I got my start in urban hunting. You know, I was like, I, what am I going to do? I have no idea. You know, I've never known anything other than big country timber hunting. And one of my friends was like, oh, well, you can come hunt deer behind my house. And I'm like, yeah, right. You're kidding me. Right. I went out and just kind of wandered on through the backyard one morning and I got blown at by a deer. So I just immediately backed out, you know, going off of my old stuff. I didn't want to blow all the deer out of the area. And I went back in earlier the next morning, set up and ended up killing a deer in the exact same spot. The one was blowing at me and just kind of snowballed from there. The first couple of years, I just kind of went in on a whim. And, you know, the second year in, I took one of my friends with me and she had never really bow hunted before. And we just set up on the ground and it was still super early. We were just starting to be able to see silhouettes. And we seen like two or three deer that were all above 150 inches, you wow. know? And at that, yeah. And at that point I'm like, okay, there's, there's something here, yeah. you know, like this, this can really turn into something. So then I started, you know, doing my research, doing my work and actually trying to figure the place out instead of just going in and on a whim. And, uh, I hunted hard the one year I killed a small, I guess, it, I guess it was a bigger six pointer per se. It was just a two-year-old deer. You know, I was still real early into, into bow hunting hardcore. And uh, then the following year after that, there was a bunch of construction. And uh, they came through and leveled the entire area. They took, you know, my five acres of timber that I was hunting and turned it into about an acre and a half of timber. And the rest is just field. 
you know, I, I, that was just such a huge culture shock to me because I wasn't expecting it, you know, and it's just kind of snowballed from there and I stayed with it. And in, uh, in 2014, I ended up killing a, uh, 130 inch 10 pointer. And then in 2015, I killed a 172 inch 13 pointer. Nice. Yeah. You know, and it's, and those two were just kind of random. <laughs> yeah. Cause I still wasn't a hundred percent what I was, what was going on at that time. Yeah. Well, if you right spot, man, and you knew there yeah. was big bucks there from the, you know, that first set you set and seen them in the morning, but I kind of want to go into, uh, we have like a kind of urban hunt around here and is there any requirements? Cause I know like we have to go shoot a bow and you have to put so many arrows in a target uh, is there anything, do you have to do anything like that or get a special tag or anything? No, not, not as far as just hunting, you know, the, like the places I do, they do have certain specialty hunts that you can apply for to hunt in certain areas of the County. You know, like there might be a, um, a big wildlife County park and they'll allow so many permitted people in there. And I'm not hundred percent sure what you have to do with those because I've never applied with them. But from what I've heard is you've got to apply for the tag and then uh, get like so many signatures from some people. And then if, you know, they approve it, then you get issued your tag for that particular park. But I'm not, like I said, I'm not 100% on that because I've never actually done it. I'm just going off of what I've been told. Huh. Okay. Yeah. The place that I, we have, you have to be like a member of the township and I've thought about doing it. There's big deer out there. Everybody says there's not, but when everybody says there's not big deer, that means there is. That's oh, code. Yeah. Uh, That's code for around here that there's giants out there running around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're just trying to trick me. Hundred percent every time. But, and uh, then there is one. The certain counties, depending on you know what what jurisdiction you're in, they do have limits on uh, minimum acreage that you're allowed to hunt. Like the most of the places that I hunt you've got to have five acres. So I'm just barely meeting that criteria of, you know, people that allow me onto their property to hunt, but it's, it's just enough what I need to get by to do what I need to do, you know? And then sometimes you'll run into the neighbor and they're cool. And they're like, yeah, I don't really care. So you're able to expand it a little bit. Yeah. So how, how are you going about and getting these properties? Is it just family and friends and then people know that you're hunting and I'm, I'm assuming in the urban area like that, they, they probably have a problem with deer. Um, so they want them thinned out a little bit. Oh yeah. Well, it, and see, and that's where that, that there's, there's a lot of drama between that because the deer in the areas are extremely populated and it's, you know, a lot of these places are a, a higher end area where there's, you know, a lot, there, there's a lot of money. You know I mean? There's people driving around in $150,000 Tesla's, and they all think the deer's cute, and then they smash a deer with their Tesla, and now it's totaled. Yeah. But they still don't want you to kill them. And then you've got the people that I know that can't stand them because they absolutely destroy their gardens. Yeah. So it's like a 50-50 on, yeah, go kill them. I don't care how you do it. Just kill them. Or do you ever come around here again? I'm calling the cops, even though <laughs> what I'm doing is legal. You know? and, and I've been harassed numerous times by people you know, coming out, you know, trying to scare the deer and this and that. And I've, I've had conservation come out and write citations to people because they've been harassing me so bad. Yeah. I could see that, man. You, you get it. You're, you're kind of St. Louis is kind of that, like, there's a lot of country people, but there's a lot of, you know, new age people that don't understand hunting. So I could see that problem. Um, our area where I'm talking about, there is like an insane amount of deer numbers and, uh, like people say you go out and if you hunt like a field edge, you'll see like 50, 60 does. And yeah. so that, that would be insane to me, um, to be able to do, uh, I've, I pretty much got my wife talked into buying the membership fee because then you get accesses to like the beaches and the lake and the pool <laughs> and stuff. But I really yeah, just want yeah. it for the hunting side, you know, just so I could go blast some does. So I'm really interested into hearing the tactics that you're using to be able to see if I can use them out there as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's, you know, that's another thing. It's gotten to the point, you know, back when I first started doing it, I was shooting does left and right, you know, because I was filling my freezer and having tons of meat and it was great, which I mean, I still kill quite a few, but I've kind of transitioned to the point now where I don't like messing with does because I, I do all my own butchering. So it just gets to be a pain in the butt, especially in the early season. And it's just kind of, I like to sit back and watch what's going on, 
and just try to learn as much as I can from these deer, you know, and I, I've kind of got a motto that if you don't learn something new, every time you go hunting, you're not doing it right. No matter, no matter what it is, it could be the smallest thing, whether it's okay, that deer stepped five foot off of that trail and went up this way instead of going this way, like it did earlier today or something, you yeah. know, just the, the smallest thing. You should always be learning something in my eyes. Yeah. You know, and I, I take, you know, I'll take friends out with me start, just starting to get into hunting, you know, and, give them a good ego boost into hunting and let them kill some does early on. And, you know, just trying to help out and, you know, spread the, spread the passion of what it is. I want to go back to something that you had brought up. I, I know you said you haven't touched a rifle for, you know, some time now, but do they allow rifle hunting in the urban zones? I, I can't hear you real well. Oh, um, do they allow rifle hunting in the urban zones? Um, certain areas do. Yeah. That, that comes back to the, you've got to have a certain amount of minimal acreage to, uh, qualify for using a rifle in that, that particular jurisdiction. Hmm. You know, like where I hunt at, I couldn't use a rifle, but there's a spot a mile down the road where I could use a rifle if I really wanted to, because there's enough land there and there's no close by residential. So it wouldn't be a big deal there. I see. Yeah, we have that rule in Illinois where you have to be so many yards to bow hunt, so many yards to shotgun hunt. So I'm assuming it's probably something like that. Mm. We have to be yeah, so many yeah. yards we, from a residence. Yeah, I believe it. I believe for us, it's we've got to be uh, like 100 or, or 150 yards from any inhabited building, be it with a rifle, a bow, or whatever. I see. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's what presents another challenge is. Yeah, you've five got to acres, to, man. Yeah, you've got to you've got to find just that right sweet spot to where you're you're 100 legal you know no matter what so it's kind of the the ball game there of, of finding just that perfect sweet spot but still being able to produce it and be legal without you know breaking the laws yeah for sure because if you got people out there that are kind of targeting you because they don't want you to you know kill the kill the animals then you really got to make sure you're being legal or they're going to end up calling you and be like this guy's not 150 yards or you know so yeah exactly which Chances are none of them guys, you know, unless they really start digging into what the, the legalities of it are, they're not going to know. But, you know, there's there's plenty of tech savvy people out there that will just Google a quick question and they'll get a whole slew of stuff that they could come back with, you know. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, uh, I'm excited to get in these tactics and we kind of went over a few before the show, but <laughs> I want to get into scent control because this just blows my mind. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. Um Kind of get break down what you do for scent control. I do literally nothing. <laughs> like I mean, I, I I've gone straight out from work. You know, in the early season, you know, working, sweating like crazy. I reek the high hell, and I'll just I'll throw on my camo. I'll climb up in a tree, and that's just how it is. That you know, and for the most part, on all the areas that I hunt, like I said, it's so close quarters. I mean, I can smell when people are doing laundry. I can smell their dryer their dryer sheets and stuff when they're doing their dryers, depending on the way the wind's blowing. I can smell when people are barbecuing. I can smell when they're cutting their grass, you know, I mean, it, it, there's How just annoying no is big that? deal. <laughs> You're all set up. All. You're all set up. And then someone kicks on their weed eater. And <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it to you this way. I hunted with a roofing crew this year. Oh man. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there. It's a perfect morning. And next thing you know, I'm like, why do I keep hearing backup beepers? You know, Sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. Next thing you know, I started hearing stuff like dragging concrete. And I'm like, what is that? And I learn, I turn around, and there's like eight guys on a roof just starting to rip off shingles. <laughs> I, I, and it's crazy because I hunted all day long with a roofing crew. They're, they're going nuts. They're, you know, using their nail guns and everything. And there was a doe that stopped and bedded down 35 yards from them on a hillside. <laughs> just not a care in the world. Wow. You know, it was absolutely crazy. You know, but... I get down out of my stand and that doe takes off running because now I'm in her zone. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. They, they, they probably have a zone where if they know someone's in the timber, they're like, this isn't right. Yeah. If they're over there, they're cool. It's just like, you know, sometimes you can drive past a doe that's out feeding in a field, but if you got out stepped in that field, it's, <laughs> it's over. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. And it, it's so crazy. And that's gotta be nuts to like, not just, no scent control. It's like, I'm just got grease. Yeah, and, and yeah. it really, you know, cause like I said, back when I first started it, once again, coming from hunting big timber, you know, 
deer that don't hardly see people, I was taking all those scent control precautions and being super adamant about it, you know, washing my clothes every couple days and taking every precaution possible for it. And then just over the years, just kind of watching and paying attention to them, like, I'm going to see what happens if I don't ever do anything. So now the only time I ever do any type of scent control is if we happen to go hunt, you know, somebody's private farm somewhere or go hunt public land or something for a deer camp. Other than that, I don't, I don't bother with scent control unless my clothes start to stink, then I wash them. Well, I could see, <laughs> like, I could see like that scent control actually being like a downfall because that's something that like it has some kind of smell, you know what I mean? And if they're used to smelling people, they're used to a roofing crew being 35 yards from 40 yards from them. And yeah. They, there has to be some kind of like, oh, that's just a human smell or something, you know, and they're yeah. just accustomed to it. So it's just insane to me that them, I feel like, I since since they grow up around it, but like a 170 is just like, <laughs> oh yeah, someone's grilling hot dogs over there or someone's doing, oh yeah, it's deer steak over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's just yeah, accustomed well, to it. Yeah, and then when we get farther into the story about killing the, the 170 that I killed, you guys are going to just absolutely, you're going to think it's ridiculous, and it really is, but somehow it worked. You know, and they will every now and again, depending on the, the, the conditions, they'll get a little sketchy on wind, depending on if the wind's blowing a certain direction. You know, if it's blowing east to west, they don't have any issue with it. But every now and again, if it's blowing, like, from the south, It'll be blowing straight down the creek where there are zero houses. And if they catch a sniff, they get kind of in and they swing wide. But they don't ever get super sketchy to the point where they just take off running like a, you know, a big timber deer. Yeah, so they know that if it's a south, they're not, they shouldn't be smelling people. And then you're yeah, in there yeah. and they're like, okay, this is, there's someone in the timber at this point. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they generally will swing wide. And at that point, they'll actually get right up in through the backyards of the houses to cut around that portion where they think I might be. And then they'll come back and around on the backside of me, you know, after they cut through the yard Man, and stuff. Nuts. That would piss you off. Should have been on yeah, the back porch. Yeah. yeah which, I mean, I've actually, I've actually considered hunting out of my friend's playhouse that they have for their children. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, was like, I could just sit right here and kill deer probably, yeah. you know, do you have any properties where, like, you know, say you have the five-acre piece, but you have to, in order for good access, you have to walk through somebody else's, you know, driveway, so you have to get extra permission? Yeah, so on that, it's kind of weird. Like, there's one property that I hunt that's kind of like that, but it's uh, there's no real parking. You can't really just pull up and park anywhere because of how it's set up. I mean, it's right by a highway. Like, I mean, uh, you know, a six lane highway, you know, and it's right next to there. So there's nowhere to really park. So I have to park down the street and then walk in, you know, to it with all my gear just on my back. So what I've done <laughs> is I, I <laughs> just to avoid it. Like I said, I mean, it's hundred percent legal and I've been stopped before and the cops, they don't care. They, they're like, I, I don't care what you're doing. But somebody called and they were like, there's some guy walking down the street with a bow, so we had to come investigate it. <laughs> and you know, they were like, well, can you like try to be more covert about this so you're not just like, la, la, la. So what I've gone to do is I've actually ordered a, a really big pack, like, you know, an out west elk hunting pack. And I just stuff all my gear in that and I pull the rain fly up over it, up over my bow and everything. So it, I just look like some weird guy walking down the street. It's like a backpack. homeless guy, like walking with a backpack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and there's tons of that in St. Louis. So yeah. nobody bats an eye at it, really. Nobody bats an eye. Bow hunters? Yeah. Yeah. Once I step into the woods, I just throw on my camo and then I go to where I'm going to hunt. And that's how I do it. And then, you know, I'll generally, when I go to that property, I just do an all day sit. So I go in in dark and I come out in dark. So that way there's just that much less attention to be drawn. Yeah. That's a good idea too. I was, yeah, it, I was just thinking is. about you talk about the six lane highway. I was work working up in, uh, uh, East Dubuque, which isn't a huge town, but it's pretty big. And we're yeah. going down the interstate four lane interstate. And I look to the right and 35, 40, uh, yards from a house there's two does bedded and there's literally like two acres of timber i'm like what <laughs> yeah. are these does do i look at the guy driving i'm like there's just some does over there <laughs> it just blow my mind you know what i mean so yeah well and that's another thing that's funny too is like it's a lot more popular than what people think but a lot of people don't talk about it because there's big deer to be had 
and everybody gets really stubborn and really stingy and really protective of, you know, the, their deer, you know, even though these deer cover huge distances to, you know, travel, you know, but people get real, real anal and real picky about it. But I mean, you can drive down the highways around here. And if you're like, oh, that looks like a good spot to hunt, pay close enough attention. And I bet you see a stand in that, in the trees in there. You know, it's, it's unbelievable how many tree stands are in plain sight that nobody even realizes. Yeah. I, I, I could see that there being a lot more people that do it because if it's something that's open, there's a lot of hunters in Missouri, you know, and like I said, St. Louis, there's a lot of rednecks there. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, there definitely is. But there's a lot of, you know. <laughs> they definitely is. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> is. He knows. So, uh, uh, do you, we were talking about one tactic before that I thought was really cool, and uh, it's your tree selection. So, kind of go into your tree selection and why you do that. Uh, the, the reason I, I picked the craziest trees possible with just absolute gnarly angles. I mean, you're sitting over Creek banks and in essential just vine balls is because these deer are traveling these small properties so much that they notice every little detail of anything that's changed. You know, I, I don't trim a whole lot of shooting lanes. You know, I try to pick spots that are just naturally open. So that way I don't have to disturb anything. But, you know, I mean, you can ask Tyler, there's one stand that I call the sketchy set. And it is absolutely crazy because this tree is growing up out of the a creek bank and you're actually leaned out over the water. I'm only 15 foot off the ground, but to the water in the creek, it's probably almost 30 foot. You know, and it's the, the tree kind of comes up and grows sideways. And then it's got just one set of branches that goes straight up off of a big trunk. And I've got my stand wedged into that trunk. So there's just all kinds of angles, you know, and branches that are going all different directions. So that way it breaks my outline up big time. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's harder for them to decipher that, Hey, that shouldn't be in that straight tree, you know, cause I'm in a tree that's just got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. So it's easier to hide yourself and conceal yourself because I don't hunt with 15 foot off the ground because it's generally relatively thick. You know, so that, that's that's one of my biggest tactics that I use for this is get into the weirdest trees you possibly can because it helps break yourself up and you don't look so out of place. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I could see those timbers, you know, in city being fairly new timbers too. So there's not like the huge oaks to get into or anything. There's probably a yeah. lot of small trees that makes it hard. And then, yeah, like I you mean, said, if go ahead. if uh if there is, if it is a deer that, you know, if you're in there and a buck, you know, early season, he might have a 10 acre home range because that's, he's just, you know, there and, uh, he gets in there and he sees a stand hanging off a tree and he's been looking at the same 10 acres for three years. He's <laughs> like, all right, whoa, bro, something going on here. So I could see that being a huge issue. Yeah. And, and that's exactly it. And I see it a lot, you know, with other people that I help get into the urban thing. And around our area, there's a ton of honeysuckle. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with honeysuckle, but honeysuckle stays green very late into the season. So it, it's always thick undercover. So it's hard to really see through it. Yeah, we have a, a ton of honeysuckle, especially on my lease and on your piece down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's just everywhere. And yeah. a lot of people try to get it out of the timber, but we like that stuff. So yeah, which, pulls uh, more deer. I, I, yeah it's, it's great for it and the deer love it they feed on it and it provides good cover for them but it like i said it comes back into play there's so much of it on a small property that you got to strategically get yourself set up just right to be able to make it all work yeah see that. <clears throat> is uh is there any other crazy tactics that you do i mean no sin control hunting in crazy trees <laughs> uh what else what else do you do <laughs> yeah you're going to think I'm crazy, but the, another tactic that I have for not busting deer out when I'm walking in is I just walk in, just stomping and breaking brush and just acting like I'm just some idiot tromping through the woods because <laughs> the deer are used to random people just tromping around. You go in there all sneaky and stuff. They're like, all right, this has got to be something. <laughs> yeah. Something's up. I, I, yeah, literally. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been trying to sneak in and I'll have a deer blow at me. And other times I'll be coming in, you know, I might get in there a little bit late and I'll just be beeline into my stand, walking at a quick pace 
and I'll walk right past the doe at 35 yards and she just stares at me. Huh. You know, it's just crazy how it works sometimes. Yeah, you know, maybe they feel like you're just passing through instead of, you know, going to be in yeah. there for a while creeping around. So, man, yeah, it would be well, it would exactly be very it. fun to just tr- just figure just go down there and try that, you know. And I bet you you can just murder some does. I bet you could just go. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You could just was, go uh, ape on the, them. The, the first video I ever actually filmed for Whitetail 365, I was actually in there turkey hunting early season, and I'm just stomping my way out, and I was like, I didn't really plan on killing a deer tonight, but there's a doe just standing there at like 25 yards. So I shot her, you know I mean? She, she allowed me to set up my camera and extend my tripod and everything and get it on film of me shooting her <laughs> because they were just like, da, da, da. Yeah. you know, I mean, they were younger doe, So they were a little dumber, you know, generally when you stop and look at them, they take off, but they were younger deer. And I was like, all right, whatever. It's like the fourth day of season. I'll shoot an early season doe. I, I could use some fresh meat. So yeah, for I sure. went ahead and did it and then regretted it instantly because it was 90 degrees. <laughs> so there's some turkeys <laughs> down there too. And oh dude, there's, yeah. And they're the most ridiculous birds you've ever tried to hunt in your life. Like they, they throw everything, you know, about turkey hunting completely out the window because it will not work on urban Turkey, at least in my spot. I might actually like, be good then. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll leave it to you this way. Okay. So there are, I would say the ratio is probably four times to one hen where I hunt at. And that's, that might be more than that. So you would figure you give a couple yelps, the birds are going to come running. They don't care. They will gobble their heads off, but they, they, they don't pay you any attention. They don't actually come into you. They just gobble and go crazy. I've literally had it to where birds have flown down off the roost. We're coming into the set and they heard one of their buddies gobble, you know, 150 yards away. They immediately turned around and just went to hang out with their buddies. <laughs> I'm not trying I mean, to say it, bro, but St. Louis, man. <laughs> oh, oh, dude, it is. Well, that's no. one of my really good buddies. He's a, he's a very good turkey hunter and he was always giving me trouble. Oh, I'll show you how to kill those birds. I'll show you how to kill those birds. I took him last year. He went one time and said, I'm never going back. I'm not hunting those birds again. They're stupid. <laughs> Got some, you know, some it, birds out there that are questionable. <laughs> oh, oh no, we we say it all the time. We're like, we're like, yeah, I think those birds flavor the other type. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, yeah, I'm gonna go check out my home size over here, see what he's got going. He's probably dusting yeah. in a nice spot or something. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I mean, we the, the, when we went and set up, when I took my buddy, I mean, we had, I mean, the whole hillside. There was probably twelve different birds just going nuts. And they all flew down off the roost, and we would work some into the creek bank, and they flew across the creek, and then immediately went up the hill because their buddy gobbled up the hill, even though they were looking right into our set. Huh. It just makes no sense. Hotter, do- hotter, hotter turkey up I there. I say you got to put them, put the makeup yeah. on them decoys. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and, and it's also it's gotten to the point, you know, in Missouri, we can use crossbows now. It's there, there's no medical release or nothing for crossbows. So I actually went out and bought a little Barnett crossbow. Because I got tired of trying to actually kill them with a compound because, I mean, you can never draw on a turkey hardly just sitting on the ground, you know. So I've always got to pack my blind and do this and do that. And I got tired of, you know, packing my blind on every 10 minutes to go try to chase these birds. So I just bought a crossbow <laughs> to yeah. try to make it easier. And I still can't kill them, <laughs> you know. And, then, and it comes back to, as well, they like to hang out in the backyards. So you can't shoot up the hill towards the houses. You know, so it's just like, uh, okay, I'll maybe eventually get lucky. Yeah. I, I killed one last year by just pure dumb luck. I happen to, there's a little uh, rainwater flood area that, you know, for, for heavy rains, it kind of pools up there. And I literally just kind of popped up over the levee and there was, a, uh, there just happened to be a Tom standing there at like 45 yards. And I was able to throw up my crossbow and shoot him and it kill him. You know, and that's the, that's the only bird I've ever actually killed back there. Huh. <laughs> So uh, you you hinted earlier on the 170 and some crazy tactic story. So let's let's get into that. I'm I'm excited to hear this. <laughs> okay. So the, the the spot that I hunt, my main spot is where I've been hunting since 2010. And they let you know the people that let me hunt. They let a couple other people hunt there. And I've never really met them before. I met the one. The, the, there's one neighbor that hunts back there as well. I've met him. He's real cool. You know, never had a problem. I've helped him drag deer out and stuff, you know, and we communicate and he helps me, you know, if we decide to plant a food plot or whatever, he always helps me. And then there's uh, a guy and his two sons that go back there and they'll hunt every now and again. 
and he killed, I, I don't know how big it was, but it was over 160 back there as well. And uh, it's November 15th, prime rut. I mean, they're, they're going nuts. And I get out there, you know, an, almost an hour before light, I get set up, and I'm sitting in my stand, and it's like 10 minutes before daylight. And I hear something behind me, and I turn around, and there's three people just walking through the woods right under me and going down right where I expected all my deer to be coming from that morning. So I'm like, that, that's, okay, my, my hunt's ruined. That's it. It's done. Because now there's four people on a total of 10 acres that were allowed <laughs> to hunt. You know, I, I don't ever go down and hunt the other side just because I let that be their little sanctuary that they don't ever get messed with. Mm-hmm. The other guys, that's where they like to hunt. So, okay, go down there and hunt. It's a, and it's a really weird setup. There's one strip of woods that comes up through the middle of a field and the one kid set up there. And then there's like an acre and a half section of woods. And that's where the other two set up at. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, well my hunt's ruined. Could you see them from where you're setting? Um, if they, when they had the headlamps on, when they were walking in and getting set up, I could, but after it got daylight and I, you know, they were blended in, I couldn't see them. Wow. So they weren't too far. You know, when they walked past me, I whistled and flashed my light at them. So they knew where I was, you know, so they went down like, all right, well, my hunt's ruined pretty much, but I'm going to stick it out because crazy stuff happens. You know, and last year I happened to kill my 10 pointer, you know, coming from my right side versus my left side. So I'm just going to wait it out and see what happens. So I'm sitting there, you know, and just kind of hanging out doing nothing, playing on my phone because it's so dead and, you know, I'm not expecting to actually see anything. And, uh, about eight o'clock or eight fifteen, I happen to just catch something moving out of the corner of my eye. And I look down and there's like six does standing out in the field out about 130 yards away. So I'm watching them and I seen something kind of shine in the weeds, you know, it's real tall CRP. And then at about that time he lifted his head and I'm like, Oh, that's a big deer. I'm going to shoot that deer if I can. So I started grunting at him and he was getting real fired up. You know, he's licking his lips, trying to figure out what's going on. And I don't know if one of his does accidentally busted me moving or what, but all the does scattered and they all ran back into the wood lines where the other three guys are sitting and one doe come running down past me. So I'm like, all right, well, that's done. That deer's dead. There ain't no way possible. So I'm looking at this doe and I'm cussing her out the storm in my head. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to shoot you. You come in range because I'm so mad right now. And then just out of nowhere, I heard the CRP shaking. And I, I looked to my left and that buck is barreling down the trail, nose in the air, just grunting his head off, trying to find that doe. So I draw back and I gave him three grunts. You know, he, he come into my zone. I was like, Matt, Matt, Matt. And he wouldn't stop. So I was like, well, here goes nothing. And I literally just yelled, Hey, and he stopped and was like, wait a minute. What was that? And perfect shot, 20 yards right through the boiler room. He went another 30 yards and then fell over, huh. you know? And I, I had no idea how big the deer was at the time. I knew he was bigger than the last deer that I killed. So I was going to shoot him. And, you know, I called my buddy and I'm thinking, you know, I just shot like 140 inch deer. Cause it was a good sized deer. And when I walked up to it, I literally just dropped my bow because I was like, oh, that's absolutely massive. You know, and then after everything was said and done, I think it went like 171 and some change. You know, it was almost 172. 172. If it's got 171 and some change, it's 172, bro. <laughs> yeah. <you> know, <laughs> Always round up. More than four eights, it's going up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and it was, it absolutely blew my mind, you know, and I couldn't believe it, you know, and just absolutely crazy. I would have never have expected to actually shoot a deer that big in my lifetime, you know? And then after that, that's when I'm like, all right, this was such a cool encounter. With how Everything went down that I'm going to start filming my hunts. And then just at random, I happened to see Tyler post on one of the Facebook pages and I messaged him. I was like, Hey man, you know, I, I'm interested in starting to film in my hunts and I can bring something really unique to the team. And as soon as I mentioned urban hunting and showed him what I can do, he's like, done, you're on, let's do this. And then it's just kind of, you know, grown from there and we'll be going on to our fourth season this year, you know? Yeah, that's badass. Yeah, I really like what you guys are doing. You guys got a couple guys here in Illinois that we're friends with on there. And uh, it's just cool to, you guys got a lot of different people from a lot of different areas. And you doing the urban hunting, that's that's pretty pretty badass to yeah to uh put that in there and uh i'm excited to see the stuff that you put out this year uh 
is there a, is there a lot of of hunts coming out still? Um, I, I believe he's still got a, a, a few hunts. I know he's got my hunt from this year to do still, and I think there's a couple others he's still got to put out as well. That he was he got laid up with a shoulder surgery, so he got kind of yeah behind on the yeah. production of stuff because he was doing a bunch of therapy and all that good jazz. So. Yeah, you need to tell him he only needs one arm to edit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then uh, you know, on top of that too, the morning that I killed that uh, that one seventies, the the two other guys, the father and the son, they both killed deer over one hundred and thirty inch that morning too. Man, had some hot does in that area, and just oh yeah, which I mean, I'm assuming after I shot that big one, okay, well the dominant buck's out of the area now, so there's just all kinds of deer running around. Yeah, yeah, you know, get if there was one one buck that was you know one doe that was hot and that mature buck was holding her down now these 130s are like i'm gonna slide in <laughs> right yeah and, and like i said i mean dude he i had never actually seen a deer come down a trail with his nose in the air doing a tending grunt trying to find a doe before in my life and i was just like my jaw dropped and i almost forgot to draw my bow because it was so cool to see it yeah yeah i've been there where you like the deer I shot this year, you know it's a big deer, but you're like, I don't really know how big he was because he came in and I was so jacked and I don't look at the horns and I shot him. You know, that's why I told yeah, homie. Yeah, exactly. Homie goes, yeah. what'd you shoot? I said, uh, one, high 160s, 170s. I was only 30 <laughs> inches off. <laughs> 30 plus inches, you know what I mean? Like oh, I shot a 170, 12-pointer, bro. <laughs> but yeah, just like that, you know, you think it's a 140, but when – you're you're like okay, this deer's coming. He's grunting. This is badass. I gotta get my bow ready. I gotta get everything going on. But that's cool that that's why you started hunting because you telling that story to have that on film would have been epic. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, so, dude. I mean it would have been such a crazy hunt. You know? It, yeah, especially if you could have filmed those guys hunt. walking in on you and then like your reaction, like, well, I'm still gonna keep hunting, but it's pro- probably done. And then for you to yeah. shoot that deer. <laughs> I'd have been like, what in the is going on right now? <laughs> so Yeah, oh, exactly. I mean, and it's it's absolutely crazy, you know, and that's exactly it. And I was like, I want to start filming. You know, and at first it was just, I'm going to start filming just for my own pleasure. And then I started, you know, I went out and bought just a cheap camera. And then within a month of just, you know, doing summer stuff, I'm like, screw this, I'm diving in full bore. I went out and spent, you know, like $1,000 on a camera and some, and, you know, a camera arm and a fluid head and all this. You know, I just dove in head first and, it's an absolute blast to film. Oh yeah, it's it's incredible to film and be able to showcase your stories. And then what's cool yeah. for us is we have like all the raw footage that we can look at that we don't. <laughs> like I got some shots that like I can't release. <laughs> I mean, but but they're epic. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna look back yeah. in ten years and be like, "Yep, that's what happened." <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's also it's so much nicer too because on those. I'm not so sure shots. Yeah. You can go back and replay it over and over and over and over and, you know, pick apart what happened, you know? And, yeah. And it's that, great and to it learn from and this year on one. It's great to learn from. And then another thing I was thinking today, like 10 years down the road, if you're maybe hunting the same piece or something, you're like, well, this was November 9th and buck was over there, you know? So I'll, I'll go over there. So you have like, like I, talk about like a kill journal you know but you have a kill journal just in film you know yeah so yeah or like you're like 2017 i i mean i seen a 160s 10 pointer like you got it you didn't kill him but you got it on film you're never right. gonna remember that yeah. You know no, I mean? yeah yeah exactly and that's so. you know i've got so much cool footage this season of just little bucks that i have i love the footage more than you know some of the other bucks that i've harvested just because it, the interactions with them was so cool you know, that it was just like, it's awesome. It'll be footage that we probably never use in any films, but I've got to save it on my computer and I go back and watch it all the time just because it's neat. Yeah. Yeah. We do the same thing. Go back and watch them. And then there's a certain few people that get to watch the exclusive <laughs> stuff. But, uh, uh, most of it's, you know, if we, if it don't make it in the film and it, it just goes in the trash or it gets saved for, for another, another time, you know? So, Yeah. Yeah, it can come into play at any given time, just doing B-roll stuff or whatever. So what? So out there, when you're, are these deer? Do you have home buddy bucks? Or are you mostly hunting just rut bucks that are just cruising through and being random? So it, <laughs> you never know when there's going to be random out here. That's the, the crazy part, you know. Like last year, when I was hunting uh, 
the one spot, that, you know, it was the first year I had hunted that spot and I gained access to it. I went in, I hung cameras, and I was actually able to put a, a somewhat of a pattern on a little backswood group. You know, there was like eight bucks, two of which were pretty decent bucks. And it was every couple of days they would come through and it was on the hottest, you know, it happened to be like the hottest day of that week or whatever. They would come through and bed down in this one spot. I just happened to be lucky and place my camera there in the first card pull. You know, there was six bucks in front of my camera bedded down, you know, and I'm like, oh, wow. holy cow, that one's, that's a good buck. And that's a good buck. Those are killer bucks, you know, and they just stayed on that pattern and I was able to actually put a pattern on them this year. When I went, you know, or this past season when I went in there, there was only two bucks that were in that area. Huh. That was it all season long. And one was that super tall brow time buck that I showed you earlier. Yeah. And then there was about a, I don't know, probably a, a 118, 120 inch eight pointer. Those were the only two bucks that I got on camera all season long in there, except for one random little goofy six pointer that came through two times during the rut. That was it. Wow. And then other than that, it was just those that, was, that I was getting. So, you know, it's absolutely crazy how they'll switch up there. Yeah. Do you think they're switching that because of food? Because what are they main, mainly eating? Like yard grass? Or, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they do a lot of, uh, you know, clover and stuff in people's yards. They, I mean, there's tons of people that plant gardens around there. And the, like I said, the deer just go haywire on the gardens. And then uh, there's quite a bit of oak trees in my area as well. And then if they were to travel, you know, a mile and a half, two miles down the creek, they're going to get to cropland. I see. You know, so they've got a little bit of everything. And then, you know, I, I'm sure there's people around that think the deer are cute and then they feed them as well. You know, I've, yeah, there's people I've seen there. It's illegal stuff in people's backyard. Yeah, it's illegal you know? in Illinois and that place I was talking about, people feed them all the time. And I see yeah, it. Which, I'm like, and that's, you know, and in and, and, and my county in Missouri, it's, it's a CWD county. So they've banned all, you know, mineral licks and food, you know, other than food plots, but you're not allowed to feed them or do any of that. But all the yuppies out there, they don't know and they don't care. They just keep feeding them because they're cute, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So that's, you know, you deal with that a lot. And then there are the guys, you know, that still poach out there heavily too. You know, they, they put feeders up and, you know, I've come across while I was shed hunting uh, last year, I came across the guy set up, you know, I mean, he had, three feeders and like eight stands in a four acre plot, you <laughs> know, yeah, I mean, bro. absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and, and it sucks because during the rut, a lot of the big cruisers that I get come from that area. So this year, I, you know, I gave them the benefit of the doubt, you know, whenever I was hunting here, you know, you want to hunt? Cool. I'm all for it. Kill big bucks. That's awesome. But do it legally. Don't be baiting and, you know, ruining other people's chances. Yeah. So I went in there early season to see if he was actually baiting. And every single one of those feeders had fresh lanes trimmed around them and they were freshly filled. So I called the warden, reported it to him. And I'm assuming he went in there and cleaned house because everything was gone when I went back in there to shed hunt this year. Yeah, that's the right thing to do, man. If someone's doing it, you know, legally and hunting, if someone's feeding in their backyard, it's whatever, but if someone's yeah, out I there, I don't say nothing about that. You know, but when you're, someone's when out you're there, blatantly poaching, I'm not going to play that game. Yeah, I mean, because then that you're putting a bad name for everybody else, and and you're yeah, exactly. Poti- exactly. You know, potentially that person that he's hunting on might have let urban hunters hunt, and then they figure out, well, this guy's breaking the laws and stuff, and now they're like, now, now no one's hunting. Yeah, you know? nobody. Because I, yeah, I get that exactly. a lot. You know, people are like, well, we had one guy burn us, so now we're anti-hunter. You know, yeah, and I'm and like, that's exactly, yeah, it, one, it only takes one person to ruin it and, it. and it ruins a lot because, you know, once you get that, it, it turns into a snowball effect a lot of the times because those people will move on to the next one and they'll continue to do the same thing and they'll just keep burning them out and burning them out. And then they ruin it for the guys that are actually trying to do it right. You know, yeah, for sure. like I said, I mean, I, I've got no problems. I'll help anybody. You know, like, I ran into, a, the, you know, when I first met the neighbor at uh, my spot. He had shot a buck and he had no idea I was even hunting that day. And he had no, he had no idea I was hunting there, period. I don't think, you know, and I seen the buck run out and crash. And then I seen him come out and was looking for blood. So I got down and I walked over, introduced myself. Hey, how's it going? You know, I'm hunting on the, you know, these guys that are allowing me to hunt and this and that. I was like, you want some help dragging your deer out? I got a deer cart in the back of my truck. And he's like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Made a great friend, you know, and now me and him talk all the time. And then I ran into some guys that used to hunt that property you know, 10 years ago. And now they live in North Carolina and I, I happened to shoot a buck 
and it was a high shot. And then I climbed up in my tree and I looked over and right where the, the, uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. I shot a buck, got down just to check for blood. And I found some blood. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to finish my hunt because it's an evening hunt. Climbed back up in my tree. And as soon as I turned around, there's two guys standing there looking at me right where my deer just ran through at. So I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Here's going to be a big headache. They turned out to be absolutely awesome guys. And they actually gained me access to two other properties out there. Nice. You know, and one of those properties is the one that that super tall brow time buck is on. Nice. You know, so it's like, there's a lot of really cool guys that you can meet doing it. And there's a lot of really bad people that'll just burn you every chance they get. Yeah. I think that's everywhere, man. There's, yeah. it seems like, it seems like the bad guys, they, I mean, they want all the ground for themselves. They don't really care. And the good guys are like, there's big bucks out here. So there's room for everybody. You know what I mean? There, yeah, there's, exactly. there's owning your spot and hunting it. And then there's just like, well, this guy killed a buck here. So I'm going to move in closer on him, <laughs> you know, when yeah, in actuality, exactly. if you hunt wrong, you're still not going to kill bucks. So, yeah, you know, and that's like, you know, and I'm, I'm real protective of my spots because it's not real hard to gain access to it. If somebody gains access to it, cool. I, I, I like to meet them. I like to talk with them. I lay down what I do and I would like for them to be on the same page. So that way everybody's got a chance to kill big bucks. You know, if you're in there killing all the one and two year olds, we're going to have problems just because I spent a lot of time and me and everybody else that hunt that spot are on the same page and we don't shoot anything under three years old. You know, so that way we try to kill good bucks for everybody. And there's plenty of them there as long as you're willing to, you know, take part and do your part and help. Yeah, everybody's got to do their part, man. You know, we're kind of on, well, we all are on the same team, you know, and <clears throat> that's just something, you know, if a if a deer goes on to your property or, you know, if, if you shot a deer and it went onto my property and, you know, we had good blood, I mean, Come on and let, let's go find your deer, man. Yeah, which in that, and there's, you know, it, unfortunately it really sucks because the main spot that I hunt is, it's probably, give or take, it's, you know, the area that I hunt is 10 to 12 acres, but I generally just stick to a, a small five-acre portion of it, and I leave a lot for, you know, their, their safe zone so they don't get pressured or messed with. And just down the way, I don't know, maybe four or 500 yards, there's a guy that owns a big chunk of private land and it's, he's, he's a real high up guy. You know, he's a, he's a yuppity dude. He's got a ton of money, you know, and he owns this golf course and this and that. And he's, he was a Boeing big wig or something like that. And he's, uh, he, he's a Royal. I mean, he's just, he's just not nice. You know, he's a, he's a, he don't care about nobody but himself. And I happened to have an encounter with, I, it had to have been a mid one fifties, eight pointer. I mean, absolute monster. And I panicked and I made a bad shot and I shot him right in the scapula. I had decent blood all the way up until the guy's property line called him, you know, got in contact with him, explained what was going on and everything. Wouldn't let me go try to find my deer, you know, but he's got other guys that he allows to hunt there. So I guarantee you, they all went out and found my deer, you know, it, it, it just sucked because that was an absolute monster of a deer. And he's just one of those guys that he doesn't care, you know, and it just, it sucks because he ruined it, you know, for me to have another really good deer and not waste a deer. Cause I hate wasting a deer. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there, brother. I've been there on giants where people were like, ah, no, I'm not going to let you look, but I'll look. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks. Yeah. That's one of those. Yeah. Well, I'll go look and let you know if I find anything and yeah, you never find nothing, you know? And it's, yeah. I, and it sucks because I never found the arrow and I never found the deer, even though, I mean, it, it looked like a good hit and what blood we had, there was blood. I think he probably died, but I think it took him a while to die because I've never seen him again. So I don't know. Yeah. Mm. And made it, was, it, made it a long way and then died somewhere. And Yeah. And there's a lot of, and unfortunately that guy's property is the perfect hiding property because there's some really deep, thick draws in there, you know? And it's just like, I, I, I was like, man, can I even just look in this one draw that's right here on the property line? And they wouldn't let me, you know? And it's just like, well, okay, I guess there's that. And it sucks because it was such a cool encounter with that deer too, because I got him all fired up and he came in charging, you know, busting through vines and stuff, looking for a fight, trying to figure out where this buck was. I was trying to take his dough. 
you know, it was, and I got it all on film. Absolutely awesome hunt, and then couldn't recover the deer. Man, tragic. Yeah, oh, it really was. I mean, that was that, that's probably my biggest heartbreak of my hunting career was that right there. <laughs> I was saying, it sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a stud deer, you know. But I mean, unfortunately, that's just that's the 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 game. Unfortunately, you know, and especially when you're doing it how I do it on this small property like this, you know, if they say no, well, there there's nothing that I can do about it, you know, and. Uh, there's there has been instances where I've been told no by one person and I was able to get permission from the property on the other side of them and recover my deer, but it sucked because it you know prolonged the process another you know four or five hours when I could have just tracked straight through their property if they had just said yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that being a huge problem with such small property. It's hard to get them to die on five acres when you're hunting in the center of it. You know, I mean, they don't <laughs> have to go very far, but. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's another reason why it comes down to getting in them crazy trees, because if they don't realize what happened, they, I've never had one go very far. You know, the the farthest I've ever had a deer run, that was a, you know, a good lethal shot was like 120 yards, you know, and he was just running on adrenaline. And that was actually the deer that I had killed this season. You know, that's the farthest I've ever had a deer run and he, he didn't run very far and then bedded down and died. Yeah. You know, but if, you know, it seems if they see you or they're on edge when you shoot them, they just keep going and going and going as far as they possibly can. But, you know, in these weird trees, as long as they don't see you, they, they just, I, I don't know what they think, but, you know, they just, oh, what the heck just happened? I'm going to run. And then generally they bed within, you know, 30 to 40 yards and die. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that, you know, I, I've, I've seen that too, where you, you know, you mat a deer and then maybe don't get the shot and you mat again. And then they're like, you, if you do get them, they're on full tilt and they're ducking the string already trying to get out of there. So you've been talking yeah. about your film. So we're going to, we'll wrap it up with, uh, where the people can find your film at. Uh, we, uh, whitetail 365 on, uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram is, uh, all our platforms that we, we post on, uh, We've got all our hunts, all the videos and stuff actually posted on YouTube and on the Facebook page. Nice. Yeah, you guys got some killer hunts on there, so make sure and check them out. We appreciate you coming on, man, and talking about this crazy tactic. Uh, No scent control, crazy (laughs) trees. I mean, shooting deer, giant deer with guys hunting, you know, within acres of you. That's that's some next-level stuff, man. So Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know, and it's... If there's anything that I've got to say to anybody that's looking to do it is do your research and why it's kind of creepy, but go drive around, you know, get on Google, look at places that you might be interested in and then, you know, get on Onyx or on HuntStand. Me, I personally use HuntStand and look up, see who owns it. You know, there's some places where they're owned by a homeowners association. Talk to the board members. A lot of the time, some of the board members are, just all for it. Go for it. Let it, let it fly. Other times they want you to get signatures, you know, and just kind of look at the people who you're trying to get signatures from, you know, pay attention to what they drive, look at their, you know, look at what they're wearing. You know, if you can, you know, kind of drive around and see them and stuff and then pinpoint your people, you know, if you got somebody that's dressed up in a, in a three piece suit going to work, you know, driving a BMW, chances are he's not going to let you go in. But, you know, you see just some guy wearing some blue jeans or something, and he's got a pickup truck in the driveway. Stop and talk to him, you know. Hey, you guys got any deer problems around here? You know, well, would you would you mind if I, you know, would you let me hunt your property if I signed a waiver? And it goes a lot farther than you think it will. I guarantee you, you, you if you drive around and just wait for people to come to the grocery store, and if they carry in bush light, you're in. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. You know? That would be my it's game funny. plan. All right, they're back yeah, on the grocery store <laughs> Sunday at 9 a.m. Did they get bush light? <laughs> no bush light. Can't hunt there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, stuff like that. And it's, you know, you're going to get a lot of no's always. But you'll be surprised at how many yeses you can actually get. You know, I mean, there's there's one neighborhood I hunt in that's got $2 million houses. Wow. You know, and, and half the neighborhood's on board and they're all about it because they hate the deer because they spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on all this hedge work and the deer just destroy it. Yeah. I could see you that. Know, it's, you know. a, it's, it's crazy. They got the the garden of flowers, and a doe just comes in there and demolishes them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and they do, too. And they do it so bad. And then, you know, like I said, and if you ever happen to run into somebody that else is hunting, 
be as absolutely nice as possible because chances are it's going to turn into a really good friendship. You know, I mean, like I said, I, I killed one buck last year. Uh, first time I'd ever killed a buck in September, you know, it was the second day of season. I killed my, you know, early season eight pointer last year, all because some stranger that I met in the woods became friends with me. And then he gave me access to some of his other spots. Yeah. That's bad. You know? and, then, and then like, I, you know, there's, you know, a hundred and, 50 inch three-year-old that's got 10 inch tall brow tines that's running around right there. That'll be a four-year-old this year, you know, and he's like, kill him, kill him, kill him. He doesn't care if he kills him. He wants me to kill him. You know, he's just a good person. Yeah. You know, right on, man. Now that's some, definitely some good advice at the end there to anybody that wants to get in it. And, uh, like I said, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me, man. I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, very fun, um, he's got a lot of energy. I really like that about him. I kept, know. kept the show flowing. Um, I like the different, the how just how different everything was. Yeah, you know? it's like not what you normally hear. It's so off the wall, you know. To have two people come in on you and hunt within five acres of where you're hunting, and then you shoot a giant buck. Yeah, and I mean that's just that's epic. So make sure and check out him, Whitetail Three Sixty Five. Um, they got a lot of stuff coming out. Um, great guys. We got to meet him in ATA this year and hope to meet him next year. So got anything else? Send it. All right, guys, uh, get out there. Just like the last one, I'm going to say, try a new tactic because this is definitely a new tactic. Absolutely. Try to leave a legacy and white till legacy is out. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.